This podcast may contain explicit language and themes, so listener discretion is advised. Ill-advised, misinformed, our half-baked opinions will be performed. Are you ready? Is the mic on? Welcome to the Hill to Die On. You're listening to A Hill to Die On, a podcast hosted by two stubborn and shit Aussies who give hot takes on a different topic, Go away to dig deeper, then reconvene to share whether or not their hot take hill was worth dying on. We're your hosts, your filthy-legged friends, Josie Spicer and Cara Brooks. This week we're asking the question, is it possible to get vibes from other people? So before I get started, this question was actually proposed by one of my friends. I will read out what she said. She said, Hi, hey, hello. I have discovered the hill that I am dying on and want to share it with you. My housemate, who is a pure science and maths guy with no other interests, does not fundamentally understand the concept of vibes and what kind of vibe people give off. And it's actually driving me insane. He was like, you're basing your judgment on appearance, but a vibe isn't an appearance, she said. A vibe is an inherent intuitive feeling not consciously observable of someone. But yeah, so she's basically saying, no, you, you don't understand, like, vibes are a thing. And he, being a, a science and maths guy, says that there's no such thing as vibes. You're just judging. He's thinking it's like a heavy thing or something. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. I see you with my healing crystals and I feel your vibes. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't, it seems like he doesn't understand the feeling aspect of it. And so my question for you, Kara, is do you think it's possible to get vibes from another person? Fuck yeah. <laughs> so much. <laughs> like working in retail as long as I have, junkie vibes are such a fucking thing and you are so attuned to them when you work in a retail environment for as long as I have because someone walks in and you're like, oh, fuck, they're going to fucking shoplift. And nine times out of ten, you are correct. <laughs> like, it's such a fucking thing. And we call it junkie vibes just because it's often it's the easiest way to describe it. Like, not, like, you know, obviously and it sounds probably super offensive, but it's not intended to be against people that have addiction problems, but it is so much of the time people that are tweaking. And so they have this particular look, particular... And it's not, you know, you say a vibe, but it is the way they're communicating without their words, basically. Right. So the body language, it's, and yeah, there is like a judgmental element to it because partially it is appearance, but there's so much that's not just their appearance and not just what you verbally communicate that you still are communicating. And I think a lot of people would group that into vibes, quote unquote. Do you have any like maybe personal kind of anecdotes where whether or not it's been at work or elsewhere where you've had a vibe from someone and either it's been confirmed or whether you didn't listen to a vibe or like a gut feeling whatever you want to call it and and how that resulted for you oh yeah I've had plenty I know one in particular at the job I was working previous to the job I've been working for six years there was a guy there that just made me really uncomfortable and I couldn't pinpoint why so it got to a point and because when it's a co-worker you don't want to sort of make anyone more uncomfortable than they need to be and you sort of give people the benefit of the doubt like, you know, you don't want to be unprofessional and be like, stop being a creep or, you know, just because I yeah. get a vibe from you that you're being creepy, but you don't have anything to really substantiate it or quantify it. So he used to do things like we worked in different departments and I used to work in the back dock of this store and he was on the floor. 
and he would time his breaks to match mine. So I, because I wasn't accountable really to anyone except the higher up managers, I was the only person in my department. And so I could take a break whenever I felt like it. And so he would ask me when I was taking a break and then follow me outside. Um, sometimes huh? I would, yeah, I would like go and get a coffee on my break and I would be sitting at a cafe and he would just suddenly appear next to me and sit down next to me and start trying to talk to me. It's like, dude, I'm on my fucking break. I don't want to talk to you. Did you ever end up lying to him? Uh, yep, many yeah. times. Other times I just ended up sneaking out a bunch of the time, like wouldn't Jesus. tell anyone I was going on break and I would just duck out And because this is when I used to smoke as well. And so I just like... I ended up finding, so there was like, I think it was like Channel 7 or something, like one of the buildings was behind our building um, and there was like this courtyard that we weren't even really supposed to go into and I used to like go into that and smoke cigarettes, like all these fucking journalists and stuff were just because I didn't want to be near where he would be um, and then he ended up finding me there. So like he legit used to fucking... Looking out for you. Yeah, and so... I thought it was like that was it and I was like okay he's just creepy and weird like maybe he just wants to be friends whatever then I'm at home and this is why I don't use whatsapp anymore um he got my phone number off the roster what the fuck yeah and we're not we weren't even on the same roster because we weren't in the same department so he went through it like the roster for my like for the back dock section to find my details and then added me into his phone who, you know, he has no fucking reason. It's not like you would, when you add a coworker because you might need them to cover you or something at some point, like, nope, entirely different department, adds me on WhatsApp, WhatsApp, sorry, and starts trying to message me. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so like- I ended up quitting that job partially because I got a new job, but also because of that. Like the reason I was looking so hard for a new job was because of that. Did he contact you after that at all? Yeah. What? (laughs) Uh, I ended up just blocking him on WhatsApp and just stopped using WhatsApp, stopped replying to anything. I ended up seeing him, I think it was maybe like two years later or something out at a bar and I just completely like avoided eye contact, avoided like making it, having to communicate at all. But yeah, it was fucking I'm sure he would have been like fucking staring at you (laughs) as well. But Uh, yeah, it it was fucking weird. Like, and that was a situation where I'm like, that's a vibe. Like I definitely had a creepy vibe from the moment I met him and it just intensified. Right. And then his actions actually like, like they confirmed what you had already like suspected. Yeah. Like your intuition, your base intuition of like, this isn't normal. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know if you're the same. I suspect you might be where it takes me a really long time to realize that someone's hitting on me when they are. Um, oh yeah I always assume that they're not so I'm like oh no they're just being polite or like you know they're just being nice they just want to be friends they're probably not interested like why would they be you know and so I just never really think of that until it's too late so there's that but then I feel like the way that you know particularly women are socialized we're told to be nice anyway so if, if you don't realize that someone's hitting on you for starters but also you're being nice even though this other person is making you feel uncomfortable, what comes across can be interpreted differently for the other person as well. Completely, like they interpret your – it's like when we were talking about – I think it was when we were talking about nice guys actually. There was one conversation we had about this where we were saying like they interpret your politeness as a cue that you might be interested. Like they right, interpret yeah. niceness as interest when it's like, no, it's just I'm, I'm being polite because I don't want to incite violence like, yeah. <laughs> or aggression or anything. Like, yeah. And so I guess this is why the question is specifically, can you get vibes 
from other people because I do think giving off vibes or like trying to appear a certain way is is just a whole other kettle of fish like that because I feel like vibes are like just a general feeling of safety like a level of safety you feel when you're confronted with another person because I didn't ask you directly but you think you can yes yes I do think you can you can get vibes of, of other people sometimes I feel like I've maybe misinterpreted them and someone has been okay after all but I also think that the potential dangers of not listening to your gut far outweigh any sort of like social gaffe you make like I listen to way too much true crime to know that like fucking listen to your gut and if it's wrong the worst is that you look like an idiot and that's better than being dead or worse so yeah absolutely and I mean I guess my only kind of asterisk like you know thing to keep an eye on is um unconscious biases like this is this is a way for those to flourish so if you see you know a first nations person and you get a bad vibe like i that might be racism (laughs) that might be racism that might not be on them um yeah so i I think there's a space for for people to like check their biases and and check what about a person is making them uncomfortable but i feel like i'm mostly speaking about vibes from people as a woman engaging with cis men that that's almost exclusively my experience of having vibes like you know other people can too like I've I've met some some other people that I've had gross feelings about and it is picking up on these kind of what you were saying like just like the the language that isn't spoken I think there's a lot of body language that we all do that we don't realize we're doing you know what I mean like you're not actually paying like you can try and manipulate it or like pay conscious attention to the movements that you do or the way you're positioned or how you you know how you move your body as you're addressing someone but so much of it is just natural and it can be wrong <laughs> like, yeah. it can just be like red flag city yes um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and at the same time it can be really good like I think you know we're mostly talking about bad vibes but you can totally get good vibes from people like probably most of the people you're friends with unless it was one of those funny stories where you hated each other when you first met you probably got good vibes from each other and that's why you became friends you know yeah so from my understanding like this is a legit thing. Our brains are fucking smart. They basically remember everything. We just can't access it. It's stored, you know, in our lizard brains. And so whenever we encounter someone, our brain is basically going through our entire history. And if it recognizes a pattern or something it's seen before that was dangerous, then it tells you, get the fuck out of there. Yeah, right. To get your like flight or fight or freeze response, like. Yeah, it's like, nope, we're not doing this again. And it's so fascinating to me that so many women, especially, can be so socialized to override that response as well. Sometimes I feel like the safest option is to be polite because I don't know how the person's going to respond. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, totally. There's a time and a place, and it's a real, like, it's such a variable. Like, you really have to gauge it in the moment by your environment, by the person, like, having to read them like and it's a really difficult thing like and you can change your option you know like you could start off being nice and if that's not working be like okay mate fuck off (laughs) how do I yeah like how do I leave this yeah I think about like the main people that I feel scared of in public uh where I get like that instant sort of adrenaline feeling where I'm like oh god is uh people on drugs um, yeah. and 
because they're so fucking unpredictable, often really loud, like all the things that, so I have a lot of sort of like sensory sensitivities uh-huh. and they just fucking tick every box of like, no, oh, yeah. <laughs> get away. And I've had them like, even just a few months ago, I had one on the tram who was like pacing up and down the tram yelling. And then he stood, so I was in a single seat up the very back of the tram and there's a Perspex um, like wall, uh, so like a clear Perspex wall between the back door and where I was sitting. And he came and, like I had headphones on, thank God, and I had it turned up really loud because I didn't want to hear what he was saying and he was definitely talking to me slash yelling at me. I looked down and I could see his feet facing my feet, almost touching them. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah, and he's like yelling down at me and then he slams his hand into the perspex like right where my head was. So like right next to me, just and then like kept yelling and walked away, and I just completely ignored him. Like didn't even flinch, didn't look up. I was like, nope, 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 nope. That's probably the best thing he could have done. Yeah, because in that situation, I was like, I am not fucking engaging him right now. Like that is hell no. And so there's certain situations where I'm like, yeah, sure. Sometimes I would fight. Other times I'm like, you can get the fuck away from me, and I'm not even gonna look at you because like, yeah, he got bored. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I think you can have empathy for people with addiction issues while also being, hey, they're a danger to my 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 person at this moment while they're high. Like that, both of those things are true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's go away and see what we can find on vibes. I'm really curious to find out more about like the mechanisms behind it. Like I have a vague understanding. I I'm sure I butcher it along the way. Um, and also I'm sure there's a huge racial aspect to it. Um, oh yeah. Well, I'll speak to you in a week. Cool. So it's been an indiscriminate amount of time. Do you want to go with what you found this week in looking up, uh, if, if you can get vibes from people, what did you find? Okay. So I mentioned in the first half of this episode, I believe that I was really interested in the scientific side and and like the physiological side. And I I really am. And I had started to do some looking into that area. But, you know, we're recording this on the 31st of May 2020. And it, oh my God, we thought the pandemic was going to be like the thing of the year, but we're in a really interesting time. And basically it's called my part of this uh, subject to head in a different direction so i've pulled up my soapbox i'm standing atop it you if you want to bounce off anything like feel free to interrupt cool. all good yeah so when we recorded the first half of this episode we briefly touched on race and unconscious bias sort of just brushed past it a bit and you know i was planning on this episode leaning towards the scientific side as i said but a lot of stuff has happened in the past few weeks around racial violence that I feel like I'd be remiss to not look deeper at the connection between intuition or what we call gut feelings and unconscious racial bias. Mm-hmm. Um, so to give context for those listening, whether or not you're listening as this is released or you're listening in the future, in the past few weeks, there's been a few notable cases of racial violence in the news. First, there was the shooting of Ahmad Arbery, in the state of Georgia. Ahmad had been looking around a construction site during his run around the neighborhood. There is a video of him running around a car 
that had stopped in the middle of the road. Two white men, one being an ex-cop, claim they attempted to perform a citizen's arrest of Ahmad. Basically, at least two shots were aimed at Arbery and he was killed by these men. Secondly, a video has gone viral this week wherein a woman is threatening a black man who has asked to put her dog on a leash in Central Park. She screams that she's going to call the cops on him and explicitly tells him that she's going to tell the cops that an African-American man is threatening her or attacking her. You then see her basically fucking half choke her dog as she's weaponizing her white tears while on the phone to the police. Like she's literally screaming into the phone and this man's just like not moving and it's just filming her. It's um, so fucked that video. Oh. It's infuriating. Eh? And then the third instance that has been another catalyst for some uprisings we're seeing around the US at the moment it was a video that was released of the murder of a man named George Floyd. He was a black man who was put into police custody or detained, restrained, um, because of an alleged $20 fraudulent note. He was killed as police officers had him under arrest and knelt on his neck until he died. I don't know about you, Kara. I could only get through a few seconds of the video and I was like, I don't need to know. I don't need to see it. I don't need to see someone's life being snuffed out to know that this is wrong and fucked. Yeah, and like I watched more than I should have of it and felt fucking disgusted and just infuriated as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so... My point with bringing all these up is that all three of these examples show racism from white people. The racism is blatant. Both the first and third examples resulted in fatalities. The second example is nothing short of a threat of murder. Like, that woman knew about the dynamics between the black community and the cops when she was threatening to call the cops on him. Oh, yeah, like she knew exactly what she was doing. Exactly. And I think that's really one of the haunting things about it. And like, I feel fairly confident that all of these people involved with all three of these uh, examples are blatant racist. But I also want to bring forth the idea that maybe some part of them genuinely felt threatened by these people. Their racism stems out of racial bias. And even if we don't feel that we're blatant racist, it's in all of us. Well, I guess it's like a lot of you know phobias like you know homophobia or you know and I guess racism even though it's not called like race phobia but it's generally ignorance like that stems from fear like fear of the unknown and if you're not fucking educated on why people are different or why people look different or act differently you might be afraid of it and I'm not justifying it like it's fucked they should fucking educate themselves but I think there's a definite fear factor that, you know, that stems from a lack of education. It's like the the stories you're told, right? I mean, all of the above, right? So basically my point with this is like, I want us to acknowledge that gut feelings and intuition can lead one to safety and like may inform decision-making. But we also need to remember that our brain is not only storing our like histories and experiences, but the narratives that we're explicitly and implicitly told mm-hmm. and the ones that we learn. So I think it's important to regularly take time to investigate our gut feelings and attempt to understand where they stem from. It shouldn't shock anyone that the West is entrenched in white supremacy. Whether explicitly or implicitly, we're taught to look out for people that will hurt us. But depending on where and when we are, we may be told that harmful people look a certain way. 
So perhaps you've been told to keep away from thugs. This is a word that holds heavy racial connotations. Perhaps you've been told that black and indigenous people steal. Hello, blatant racism. Perhaps you've been told that certain suburbs are more dangerous only to later realize those suburbs have predominantly non-white communities. Whether or not it is statistically true that that area has more crime or not, like you still have to consider that the levels of policing in those areas are higher than like largely white affluent suburbs. Yeah. Perhaps you've seen a confrontation between an indigenous person and the police. Whether or not you believe you've absorbed anything from witnessing any of these or hearing these stories told to you, your brain has made another association with, you know, Indigenous people and non-white folks and uh, Indigenous people and law enforcement. And we're more likely to see confrontations between non-white folks and law enforcement because of the over-policing of Black bodies. So basically, we are pattern-matching machines. Like, that's mm. the way we are. So if we're seeing a pattern of police confronting non-white people, we're getting a message from that and if we don't inspect the root of our gut feelings then we risk perpetuating white supremacy we risk acting upon gut feelings by calling the police on someone who has a, a much higher chance of dying in custody from or at the hands of those police and often i mean in so many cases these non-white people and black people they're being called like the cops are called on them for no actual reason except for this like fear that you mentioned before. And to bring it back to Australia, because I mean, most of our listeners are Australian and largely white too. And I think one of the most devastating results of someone behaving on their unconscious racial bias is in the case of Tanya Day. Mm. Ms. Day, who lived in Victoria, died in hospital from a brain hemorrhage that she sustained while in the cells of Castle Main Police Station. Castle Main's Victoria, right? Yeah, yeah. She was going from, I think it was Melbourne to Bendigo. It's like my birth town. She was going there on oh, the V-line. Really? Yeah, um, and she <laughs> fell asleep on the V-line. And it's like, how many of us have fucking fallen asleep on a train? How many of us oh. have been drunk on a train? It's so, And how many have fallen asleep drunk? Never had the fucking cops called on me. I've been so drunk that I wasn't able to fucking walk and the guy I was out with just threw me on a fucking tram when I just moved to Melbourne and sent me home. I got woken up by the driver at the end of the line, like smashed off my fucking face and had to follow the tram lines back to my house. He didn't call the fucking cops. You know, if I were black, how different would mm -hmm. that story be? Because uh, I believe like this is still true that drinking, being drunk in public is a crime in Victoria. Mm. They're looking, I, there was word that they were overturning that. So I don't know if that's happened yet or not, but Daniel Andrews was going to stop that. Good, because like that's been a recommendation for a while, I think. Yeah, it's pretty archaic. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it unfairly targets Indigenous people because white people are more likely to notice Indigenous people and suspect them of being drunk because of the narratives we're told. So Ms. Day was arrested for suspected public drunkenness. The person, the train conductor or station master, he contacted the police, did not offer her water, nor did he contact emergency services in order to get Ms. Day to a hospital if he thought she was so intoxicated, right? I heard that he didn't even fucking wake her up. He just called the cops. So I don't know if that's true or not, but that she was woken up by the police. Like, could you imagine how fucking scary that would be? It's like, why would you not even just try to wake her up yourself, get her some water, like you said, get, you know, 
call some all the people you could fucking call other than the cops. Like she's not creating a fucking disturbance. She's just asleep. He even said later he admitted that she wasn't causing a disturbance. She wasn't aggressive because she was fucking asleep. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> like, that's not a fucking crime. Like, no, but she's black, so it is, right? Yeah, like, right. That, like that's his whether or not it was logic, yeah. conscious or not he acted on it. So he called the police and Ms. Day was the only sleeping passenger he had ever called the police upon despite coming across an average of three sleeping passengers per week over the course of his career. So he's never done this before, but has decided that this Indigenous woman who is asleep on the train needs to be called. All of this came out kind of semi-recently through a like coronial inquest into the cause of death or, or whether there was sort of like an offence. And I think that may still be up in the air, but it was a huge thing to have a coroner explicitly say Ms. Day's death was clearly preventable had she not been arrested and taken into custody. And Mm -hmm. she further noted that the police officers treated her differently than they did another non-Indigenous, severely intoxicated woman later that same day. This woman was driven home by the police was not arrested, nor even fined for being drunk in public. Yet now, Miss Day is fucking dead, and they didn't check up on her in like like she kept falling over in her cell, and no one. Yeah, wasn't it like hours later or something that they found her like with a giant bruise? Yes. So it's like all these things where whether or not you want to say that someone is being blatantly racist, we know that unconscious bias towards indigenous people and black bodies caused her death as well as so many other deaths in custody that we know of which i believe is approximately 400 in the last two decades in australia so i guess what i wanted to do was basically to say i believe in gut feelings and i believe in intuition and i believe in largely going with your gut if you genuinely feel in danger but I think it's so important before acting like if you want to call the cops or grab security I think it's so important to check where that fear is stemming from and if you're actually in danger (laughs) yeah like are you just feeling intimidated and if so is someone acting actually intimidating you to cause fear or are they just being black and you've got some some baggage there that you need to deal with you know this is a conversation for our white listeners because like so many other people i just feel so angry and fed up you know like you can't excuse racism with a a bad vibe basically like that's you are the bad fucking vibe at that point (laughs) like right yeah yeah Yeah. and uh, yeah sorry i i just remembered i guess my My call to action is to try and inspect that more. And also anyone wants to shoot me a message, whether that's through A Hill to Die on um, social media or me personally, there is a bunch of quizzes online, I believe released by Harvard, released by Harvard, that measures your unconscious bias. And Mm. it fucking shocked me. If you answer truthfully, you may be shocked about how you perceive not only black bodies, but disabled people, non-straight people, trans people, etc. So yeah, I guess I'm I'm now uh, dismounting my my soapbox now. Yeah. Now, Kara, would you like to talk to me about what you found? Yes. 
Um, so I went a very different route, and I, I think it'll it'll flesh it out into um, a nice little well-rounded um, viewer mm. vibes. So I went the scientific route instead of the social justice route. And I'm glad you did that one, though. I think that was really important. So, yeah, I had a look at sort of if vibes are real, what sort of contributing factors could they be? You know, because vibes is just a word we use to describe a whole series of things that's going on. So I started off by reading an article that was called How Real Are Vibes? The Good and the Bad. It's by Dr. Heidi Mowad. Um, it was from Neurology Times, published February 2018. Um, and she basically laid out that like vibes are when something either feels right or something just isn't right. Like it feels that it's not right. Often attributed to strong instincts or subconsciously picking up on subtle facial expressions and vocal tones. And in both those explanations, it's basically saying it's the brain's ability to cognitively process a variety of sensory inputs in order to reach a conclusion. So okay. that's how we're summing up vibes. Is yeah. like, yeah. So in the article, she discussed something that is called, and I came across this a few times in a few different articles, that was called emotional residue. Um, and that's Ooh. about whether an environment inherently contains leftover evidence of previous emotions. Huh. Yeah. So it's like if you are feeling really good in a place and then you were to leave that place, you know, would the next person who entered feel different? Like, would they feel a positive energy there, basically? Yeah, based on whether or not the nervous system can pick up on those chemical signals. In relation to that, came across another word that I hadn't heard of before this stuff, or at least hadn't really looked into before, chemo signals. So they're something that's present in sweat and tears, um, and they can remain in a surrounding environment. So this article, like the whole article in general, was mostly about environments, because rather than vibes from people, it was like vibes within a space. But it was interesting concepts and it had some of those useful terms, which I think just helped define it better than a lot of the other articles because the others sort of just branched straight into like talking about chemo signals or talking about emotional residue. So I thought it was best to sort of like outline what they were. I've never heard either of those terms. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like the, you, I guess just like in common vernacular, we just call it fucking vibes. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> or like positive energy, negative energy, like you huh. don't think of, yeah. So the next article I read was called Smell You Later, Chemo Signals Communicate Human Emotions. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, being a Nelson Muntz fan, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to read this article. It was a co-authored study, so it had quite a few authors. I'm not going to read them all out. Um, you can look it up if you want. It was published in the Association for Psychological Science, November 2012. In that article, they were discussing the role of chemo signals in social communication. And the hypothesis put forward were that there were chemicals in bodily secretions like sweat that would activate similar processes in the sender to the receiver. So if you were to feel a particular emotion while you were sweating and then later someone else was to smell that sweat, it would trigger that same emotion in them. That's weird. Yeah. Um, That's so super fucking weird. Yeah, but it's it'll start to make sense, right? So this study focused on fear and disgust, and so the way that they did the study, uh, it was a group of men that were not allowed to smoke, engage in excessive exercise, or consume alcohol or odorous food for two days prior to the study just to avoid contamination. They also had to wash with scent-free personal products. Um, then they had to watch a fear or a disgust-inducing movie based on which group they were in, which, like, 
I just imagine like two rooms where one group's watching a double feature of The Hills Have Eyes and Blair Witch Project and the other's just got like pink flamingos and two girls, one cup going on. Oh, repeat. my God. I was, gonna, I was trying to think of like a shit baseball. <laughs> but, yeah, so. Wait, why does your sweat have no disgust in it? <laughs> They're like, I'm just horny. Like, what's yeah. I don't know. I... <laughs> well, the next part of the study. So, like, the sweat, they collected the sweat from the men during the films and then a group of women were exposed to the samples while performing a visual search task, which, like, I'm just imagining if there's, like, one horny dude and this woman's like, why am I aroused right now? What's a visual search task? Like, so just, like, a visual, like, an eye-tracking thing or something. You know, they often do that in studies where they have the people perform what seems to be an irrelevant task so that they, they don't know what they're actually testing. Um Right. So it, it's it's so that people don't fake the results, I think. So if you're distracted doing something else, but what they're actually looking at is this other thing. You know what I mean? Like it's I I'm so, so curious. I just want to chat to one of the participants and be like, Were you being spritzed? Like what's going on? <laughs> and I think it was a Dutch study, if my memory serves me correctly. But yeah, so basically, as hypothesized, the women that were exposed to the fear sweat produce fearful facial expressions huh. while doing the task and the women exposed to the disgust sweat had disgusted facial expressions the findings in that study contradicted the common assumption that human communication occurs exclusively through language and visual cues so chemo signals act as a medium through which people can be emotionally synchronized outside of conscious awareness the researchers also suggested that these effects could contribute to emotional contagion which is something that's often observed in situations involving really dense crowds, e.g. riots. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's... so you're picking up on other people's fear or you're picking up on other people's disgust or their, their inherent feelings towards things and then you, you, you synchronise with that and you that's... take that on. What you just said has, like, you know, obviously my mind went straight to the riots because I'm, like, just intellectually I find them justifiable. But I do wonder, like, how easy it would be for me to partake in that. And, like, mm. I just... And they talk about, you know, mob mentality and stuff. Like, Absolutely. it's one thing to be, like, emotionally engaged. But if you're physiologically drawn into it as well, like, just on a biological level. Yeah, yeah, it's instinctive. Like... And, and, like, a similar thing with, like, um, like, church events and stuff like that. Like, is mm. everyone feeling, like, elated or, like, what... I, I'm so curious to know the the chemical what are they called the chemo signals chemo signals happening there like yeah um, like how what how many what's the spectrum of emotions that you can pick up on yeah there's definitely so many things that we don't understand just because they haven't been studied about what we you know we're fucking animals like and you think of how much other animals communicate on just like instinctive levels that we've sort of lost touch with or don't don't think that we have much much understanding of but there's probably just a lot that we inherently do that we don't realize why we do it i think we're above it right because yeah that's it it's like well i can outthink my biological urges or whatever but can you like well, <laughs> if you don't really... even know where they're coming from like yeah and i guess that's the thing and this is why i don't want to totally dismiss you know, if you're getting a reaction and are in danger, I don't want people to totally dismiss that feeling because, you know, there's only so much we can control, but I, I guess maybe the subsequent actions and, and trying to unlearn thought patterns around racism and stuff like that. It sounds like there's so much going on there that you can't give 
you know, just one reason for maybe why you may not be able, be able to articulate why you feel a certain way. Yeah, and that doesn't your necess- body is telling you that it's there. Like it's yeah. an actual biological reason that you feel that way. You just can't recognize exactly what it is. I guess it's like I'm just trying to like, you know, this is all just happening right now. So I'm just trying to figure out how you honor that and are like, okay, I don't logically know why I'm feeling like I need to get away from this situation while also making sure you're not gonna call the cops needlessly on someone because of some like social reason if if that makes sense i i don't have an answer for it i just i mean most times in recent weeks where i felt threatened in public has been from junkies on the tram and you know they've at least like 90 percent have been white and yet i still have never thought of calling the cops because i fucking hate the cops like there's no fucking reason to call the cops like unless they're directly hurting me or like you know threatening me to i don't know what one was even fucking threatening me and i still was like oh fuck it fuck off yeah like, yeah <laughs> like i just won't make eye contact it's fine like yeah no, i don't know it's a weird thing i guess that is almost like the crux of it though when you go back to you know miss day even if this guy was like oh i don't know like whether or not he was like that about this sleeping woman on a train the fact that he still went out of his way to call the cops is the issue there yeah um oh totally like i've yeah. one time dubbed in a guy that i watched urinate in the back of the tram broad daylight it was like 4 p.m or something he stood in front of me and pissed in the back stairs of the tram and i didn't even call the cops i fucking just like emailed yara trams and was like you guys like i just watched this happen like this was the tram number this was the time the route everything so you know if you maybe want to just like hose out those back steps <laughs> like <laughs> it was literally like i want to clean that know, up yeah yeah like i'm sure there's video there might not even be video like yeah. i just can't think of calling the cops for something like like to me it's just such an extreme measure because of what can happen like yeah absolutely the next article i read was called can you really pick up on good and bad vibes yes suggest new research um it was just like a big think.com article by philip perry we love a good philip around here so <laughs> not a prince um uh. regular philip uh from february 2018 in the article he talks about chemo signaling and emotional residue and why we might have a need for that or what purpose it serves on an evolutionary or biological level. So this was something that I found interesting because I was like, okay, so that exists, but why does it exist? And he said, human beings are social creatures who naturally benefit from emotionally signaling. When one person in an ancient Stone Age band showed fear, say when noticing an oncoming predator, if others in the band were tuned into that first observer's emotional state quickly enough, they could take up arms and defend themselves. Picking up on the fear felt by others is also known as sensory acquisition. And so it's an emotional synchronization that helps you face challenges together. And the reason that the focus is often on fear and disgust is because from an evolutionary standpoint, they make the most sense. So like fear from predators or locating potential dangers, disgust would signal that something is poisonous or noxious or rotten, and it would save the others in your group from food poisoning, like eating spoiled meat or something like that. So with the fearful expression, what happens um, when you express fear is that you breathe more through your nose. It enhances your perception and speeds up your eye movement. So you're able to locate potential dangers more easily. So when they were doing those tests, that was what they observed in those women. 
when they were smelling the fear sweat. So I guess that's probably why they were having them do visual tasks as well because their eye to measure their eye. Yeah, yeah. So with the disgusted expression, it would be a lowering of the eyebrows and a wrinkling of the nose. Also, see mm. my default expression. Yeah, I know. That's like, <laughs> like my face. But... Yeah, my my resting disgust face. So all of this is more about bad vibes or warnings so I was like well what about the positive um and so I read this study in Scientific American that was called Believing in Bad Vibes Exploring the Science of Emotional Residues it was by Daisy Gruel published November 2011 and in the article she drew two examples so the first one was that a co-worker moves into a new office And the person who used to work there spent many unhappy months complaining about their job. They ended up quitting in a fit of rage. On moving into the office, the co-worker tells you that they sent some bad vibes left over from the previous employee. Now, would you believe them or would you think that they're crazy? So it's just like that is like an evaluation of your own thoughts on emotional residue like would you think that that's a legitimate thing or that like oh this hippie bitch like you know well no i would automatically go to oh you hippie bitch but (laughs) you've got me thinking now (laughs) yeah that's it okay so the second example was you're choosing between two apartments they're identical but with one exception you know that the tenant in one of the apartments was a happy joyful person would you be more inclined to choose that apartment based on an expectation that you might experience lingering good feelings. Not no, not lingering good feelings. I don't think. Yeah, like it it really is like both of those pertain to a belief in emotional residue. So in order for you to answer that way for either of them, it's the same logic. Like, you know, do you think that that you leave an emotional residue? They just she discussed another study further on in the article that apparently demonstrated that human tears emit a chemical that other people detect and respond to. Specifically, women's tears were shown to reduce testosterone and sexual arousal in men. Oh, yeah. I was like, tell that. That's a loaded, but okay. That's a fucking loaded sentence. Yeah. I mean, there's really a lot of chemo signals in a variety of different bodily fluids, it seems, that we don't have full understanding of what, you know, what comes out or or what we can read from those. Yeah. So I tried looking up more about um, good vibes because I was like, okay, this is still, even with the emotional residue of like happiness residing in things, like all the scientific proof proof was pertaining to bad energy, like bad vibes. So I was like, okay, well, if I look up good vibes, tried, nothing would fucking come up. It always just converted into positive energy, which inevitably uh, turned into a bunch of hippie bullshit. Yeah. So I'm sorry, but I was unable to find yeah. evidence, empirical evidence of good vibes. But yeah, it's like self-selecting in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like we can assume that the same kind of logic, you know, or there's some sort, I don't know. There's some well, like, sort what about of, like, baby smell, right? Like I'm sure yeah. I've read that that actually has like a function. Like, you know, yeah. people love baby smell. And there's a thing in that where you're like, yeah, I need to look after this little tiny thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's why we're like programmed to think that baby things are cute so that we want to look after them, like bigger (laughs) eyes and bigger heads and stuff. Like, It just reminds me of like the Coles mini groceries. (laughs) You want to look after your mini groceries. That's why people wanted them because they're so cute. Little little things. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So. After all that, Cara, do you think that we can get vibes off people? Yeah, I think like what we call vibes is is 
different like a multitude of things like exactly what that article at the start was saying where it's like you know you have your regular like verbal communication and visual cues but then you also have like chemo signals you have emotional residue you have other things that can be attributed or or that we might classify as as vibes and it's just your brain's way of making sense of things so yeah ultimately and like reaching a conclusion if that's good or bad and I think that we we definitely can get vibes off people how accurate they are is dependent on a whole host of things as well um like you were talking about with you know uh, narratives that we're fed or internal biases or prejudices that we might already hold and that can be anything from like you know racism classism any sort of like phobia or views that we might hold how accurate or inaccurate they may be um, and so I think as long as like yeah we definitely can get signals from people how we choose to act on them is where and like where they come from is really what we need to evaluate and sort of unpack a little bit I think um, and I think we've done that tonight <laughs> but you like kind of perfectly sum that up if you feel directly threatened by someone remove yourself first and foremost like that's the easiest thing to do if the opportunity is there like if you can remove yourself from the situation without you know potentially endangering innocent people just because you feel a certain way that's an interesting thing for you to have said because it's like there's like a sense of entitlement when I think of people calling the cops on another person it's like well why aren't you removing yourself from that space if it if it's like a public space or yeah and or you feel like uncomfortable that. yeah and like why is your right to be there higher than theirs especially if they haven't directly done anything to actually you haven't fucking done anything yeah yeah you hear quite often of people who are simply being non-white having the cops called on them for fucking playing in their front yard like yeah thanks for talking to me about that um and for listening i hope that something came through to people listening and maybe will take me up on that offer to send the link to the Harvard bunch of quizzes. I think as well it's probably worth pointing out that like obviously we even though we make jokes a lot of the time it's a very serious topic and we purely do that to for our own sanity and it's not that we think that situations like this is funny purely a coping mechanism which you know I think most people that that listen to this uh, know that about us so thank you for listening to this episode of the hill to die on I hope you'll tune in in whenever next episode's topic is should you wash new clothes before wearing them but until then you can contact us on twitter at hill to die on pod you can like us on facebook at a hill to die on you can visit our website which i have kind of updated hill to die on pod.com uh you can also give us some money on our patreon which is patreon.com slash a hill to die on pod you can send us an email at hilltodieonpod at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at a hilltodieonpod. I hope you're all taking care of yourselves in these blessed of times. <laughs> Very blessed. They're such a fucking <laughs> blessed.